Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Harriet Kimmick with Down to Earth. So yesterday, I was listening. I was talking about sex tourism. And uh, <laughs> while I was talking about it, somebody was messaging me on Twitter about um, sex tourism and, you know, like try, try to talk about it and blah, blah, blah. I kid you not. And I was telling it contextually within the context of my experience that, you know, I first became aware of it about eight or nine to 10 years ago when an author reached out to me at the time I was broadcasting through Block Talk Radio and on radio in Detroit. And someone reached out to me, an author who had written a book about sex tourism and sex trafficking in Cambodia. So I obviously wasn't talking about something that I don't know about. But here's the person trying to get me to not talk about it. So I'm like, did it kind of grind your corns or something? You, you, you know what I mean? Or what are you trying to say? Well, just not saying it all. You know, you can't just go, man, I'm like, is it, is it really? Did I? Anyway, do you see what I'm saying? And, and especially for us as women, you know, we, more than you guys do, sometimes I, I envy men. I'm like, it's a gift to be born a man. Like, seriously, I don't know why anybody born a man wants to change. It's a gift to be born a man. Do you guys realize that every time you get dressed to leave your house, you never have to worry about being sexually assaulted. You never have to wonder if you'll be safe. You never have to wonder if your purse will be snatched, no matter where you're going. And, and sometimes we're just so careless. You know, you're coming from the gym, you have a gym bag, a purse, you know, with your phone, and you just throw your stuff in the car and you start driving. You, you never, as men, you never have to worry about that because you know what? No other man is really going to try to attack you. But as women, that's a constancy. We have to remind ourselves to be safe. We have to practice safety in numbers. We have to practice being on the phone with someone while you are driving, especially if you're driving at night. It's something I tell my daughters, and it's something that I don't do. If I'm driving anywhere at night, you best believe I'm on the phone talking to someone. Just in case something happens on the road. Because as a woman, you become aware that what? You are vulnerable. You're vulnerable to being attacked because of perception that you are the weaker sex. That the fact that you are perhaps not able to fight off an attacker or so on. So those things, to be honest with you, those are things that are somehow have been inculcated and ingrained in us as women from you were born. So it's like second nature to double check your doors. You know, sometimes you're like, did you really pull up the door? Men just go in the house and just, hey, shut the door. I'm walking like, oh, there is going to come in here behind me kind of thing. We women are like, did you lock the door? Did you turn the alarm on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we experience bullying far more than men. And sometimes when we're talking about bullying, you guys are looking at us like, what's that? What's she talking about? You know, like, what does that even mean? Because you have you have no relatability because it perhaps has never happened to you. Or for some men, they won't say what has happened to them. Like there are men who were sexually assaulted when they were kids, either by a coach or some influential person in their peer group around them, you know, in their parent circle, or maybe it was somebody at school or somebody at church, but they won't talk about it. So they don't acknowledge that it exists because they feel if they acknowledge it, it's going to imply that they are weaker and that they were powerless, right? And to some extent, I, I understand, but by not saying it, what you're doing, you're deriding the empowerment and the power that comes from saying this is true. This does happen even to men. 
a few years ago, I was somewhere speaking about violence. And uh, one of the speakers on the forum was someone who had spent some time around children in juvenile facilities. And he wasn't formally employed, but he provides a service where he goes into juvenile facilities around Detroit and speaks to young men. And he said something that I had to pull him aside afterwards to ask about. He said that young men, when they enter the juvenile system, whatever their altercation or whatever caused them to enter, they're, very, they're different when they're on their way out. Because when they exit, they're 19 or closer to the adult age, the age of maturity or the age of majority. He said they're totally different. They have changed. And I said, well, what, were the, what, what do you think were the contributing causes? Because, you know, I'm eternally curious. And he said bullying. He said while they're inside, they're being bullied by others and forced to do things, listen, forced to do things they don't want to do but have to do. So when they come out, they have already been what? Socialized into thinking it is normal behavior. So now this normative behavior that they experience inside juvenile facilities, now they now come out and carry it out. Hence the reason why you see so many 22, 23, 24, 26-year-old young men getting shot and actively attacking others sad commentary on our society. We have created a normative type of behavior that was not normal. Years ago, bullying might have been something that, ah, oh, shocks, does it really happen? Do you even think someone bullied you? You know, people made fun of someone who came forward. Now we had to turn it around because it went too excessive. When people in a schoolyard because they used to do that to me. They put me in a circle. Ring a ring of roses, a pocket full of poses, whatever, right? And I was the brown girl in the ring. So I was the, the, the light-skinned one in the group all the time, right? So they would put me in a ring, and they would pick on me. They would talk about my skin color. They would talk about my teeth. <laughs> you have to see me to understand this, right? And they would talk about uh, my, my, uh, my clothing, whatever they could find to talk about. And so there I was being bullied, right? And the truth about the matter is that they were bullying me. And I would just stand there after a while. I fought back. You know how I fought back? Uh, I just, I would just fight back by what? I was the smartest. And I would just say, well, you need me for something. You're going to need me to help you write a paper. You're going to need me to help you argue a point. I kid you not. I kid you not. These things happen, right? In today's world, they pick on people for how they look. So you might be the only uh, fat one in the group if you're fat, if you're too skinny. If your hair is not long enough, your hair is too long. If your skin is too white, it's not white enough. If it's too brown, it's not brown. If it's not black, it's too black. Your teeth this, your teeth that. Your eye color this, your eye color that. You this, you that. You don't do this, you don't do that. You're not part of the group. And so they form this herd mentality to try to get you to do what they want you to do. You have to be real careful with that, right? When those things happen, you need to confront the bully. Because the only way the bully is going to stand down is when you stand up to him and stand in front of him. As long as you hide in the shadows, he's never going to stop. Because the bully's power 
comes from you. You are feeding him. As long as you stay behind and try to stay out of his way and try not to be a part of it. No. So I learned to put my hands on my hips real early and say, you're going to need me for something because I'm the spelling bee champion. In those days, I was a walking lexicon. I mean, I could read, I could spell words like you wouldn't believe. And I beat them every time. I beat them at spelling bee. Oh, yes, I did. You see what I'm saying? That was how I got back. Because I couldn't, because I couldn't understand. And I was too young. I was a kid. I couldn't understand why it was that I was being subjected to this. I'm just telling you how, how it was, right? I couldn't change my skin color. They made fun of the color of my skin. They used to tell me stuff like, well, you can't go back to Africa. So if there's a war, you can't go to England because you're not white enough to go to England. You're not black enough to go to Africa. So if there's a war, they're going to drop you off in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and the sharks are going to eat you. They said it over and over. So it's not like ring a ring of roses. They play a game around you and say they said it over and over again. That was bullying. And some of these folks are still alive today. Yes, they are. So they're hopefully listening. So now they know. They probably do know because we're all grown now. So they recognize that that behavior was unacceptable. Do I speak to them? Yeah. Like, okay, hey. <laughs> it doesn't mean we're going to be friends now and sit down and have a drink. Right. But do you see what I'm saying? Right. So to impressionable, uh, an impressionable young mind. What if I internalize self-hatred based on the things they described about me? And so you would go home and you would tell your friends and family or tell your family members and they might not do anything about it. So you grow up believing the lies that have been perpetrated by the bully. Do you see what I'm saying? So the bully has a twofold problem. He's psychologically damaging you. And if at all possible, he's going to try to force you physically to do what he wants. It's only a matter of time before he goes there. So what he engages in is a game of psychological warfare. You are not part of the team if you're not like this. If you want to be part of my team, you have to be like this. There is no requirement for you to uh, do this. It's not required for the job at hand. It's not required by the racing uh, protocols. It's not required by the social group you're in at school. But the bully comes up with this idea. He picks on a vulnerable point and uses your vulnerability to chastise you and force you and compel you to do what he wants to do. I told you that my vulnerability was my ponytail. My mother couldn't comb my hair properly, so I had these ponytails. Well, I guess the bully picked up on the fact that maybe I was uncomfortable with it. So he kept doing what? Pulling my ponytails all the time. It hurt, right? And would make fun of it, right? What did he do? He picked up on my vulnerability. So to me, bullies are sort of sociopathic because they're trying. They become what you need them to be, right? They're also psychopaths because guess what? They have no remorse. <laughs> they show no remorse whatsoever, because what do they do after they have made you uncomfortable or after everybody has joined in the fun? They sit back and laugh. So they're both a sociopath and a psychopath because now they have no remorse and they become exactly, they become what the group wants them to be, who is a pushover. There are many famous examples of bullies. I mean, a lot of people who are in leadership today, a lot of people, regard in, especially in work environments, don't realize how much they sound and act like a bully. In fact, they probably don't think so if you were to suggest it. Who, me? A bully? No way. 
I don't think so. But on closer examination of the facts, you will realize that they are. Even in some social groups that we join, you know, some of us, we're part of different groups, you know, we're part of sororities, fraternities, and all kinds of stuff, right? And sometimes you just join a, a, a what do you call that, a pyramid group, uh, you know, another pyramid scheme. I don't mind those things. I think those are great ways to meet people and network with other people. You may never make any money. <laughs> you may waste your money buying something, but it does work as a tool and as a form of networking. It introduces you to a wide variety of people. You go to call, you know, you take your kids to a, a sport, right? If you notice that there are fewer and fewer children and parents at sporting events, have you guys noticed that? There are fewer and fewer. People, the children are not being driven and, to and driven that way because the parents, either because of bullying, but the parents are also like, it's a contact sport and I don't like how the coach talks to my kid and I don't like how the other kids talk to my kids, right? So what I'm saying is uh, we have to be so mindful of the myriad ways in which bullying takes place and the many forms that it takes on. Uh, it, it, it also seems to take on the form sometimes, e e even in a religious setting. Have you guys ever thought about that? Look at what happened in the Catholic Church, where the person who was violated, guess what they did? They went to the, they went and complained, and the person whom they complained to made fun of it or didn't treat it. They wanted to direct it that way. No, I don't think Father John was trying to touch you. I think Father John might have wanted to communicate his love of Christ to you. Seriously? When he was pushing this young boy down and telling him, take the holy water or whatever they say, right? And God will love you even more. <laughs> I am just saying. <laughs> right? I'm just saying, people. I'm just saying, right? So what happens is, what happened, <laughs> and you're all just like laughing at me because we all can uh, relate at some point, right? We all can relate to some form of bullying or other. And if you really examine it, most of us have been exposed to bullying at one point or another in our lives. You know how you're going to know that it happened to you? It's by examining yourself and your reaction to certain events. That is going to tell you why you are the way you are. It's perhaps because someone at some point in your life might have made you, might have made you felt like, exactly, right? Somebody somewhere influenced you, forced you into doing things. Some people are even bullied into committing crimes. Well, you're not part of the group, and if you don't do this, I'm going to do this to your family. And if you don't do this, you're not part of my group. And I thought you said you were my ride or die. People are bullied. There are plenty of people. My daughter says it like this. There are plenty of people in jail who are innocent. And she's saying it tongue in cheek. She's like, a lot of people in jail keep saying that they're innocent. They never did anything. And when you listen to the facts, sometimes you realize that they were in a group activity and somebody forced them to participate in activities. It's why we have to listen to our children because sometimes our children are bullied into what they're bullied into doing things they're bullied into doing drugs they're bullied into having sex you have your 12 year old uh you know in middle school 13 year old in middle school 
and you discover that they're engaging in sexual activity because everyone else in the group was doing it and they didn't feel like they were part of the group if they didn't do it. Everyone else was doing drugs and they didn't feel like they were part of the group. They were bullied into doing drugs. And you and I, the parents, are sitting on the sidelines like, whoa, what happened here? Right? And so we have to be careful. We have to take uh, steps to minimize and mitigate bullying by sometimes you have to sort of assert yourself. When you find yourself in a group and people want you to act like a herd mentality, you, you really have to try to figure out, is this something that I want to be a part of? If this is a voluntary exercise, is this something that I necessarily want to be a part of? And if it makes you uncomfortable, then you leave. If you're in a workplace setting, you probably need to address that with your human resources department. What are the guidelines and protocols for behavior in this setting? You know, ask that question. And if if it continues, well, I'm experiencing a, a form of bullying. I feel as if I'm bullying because I don't conform to this or I don't. Let them define it and describe specifically the steps that have happened. Be very specific. If bullying is part of your intimate relationship, you might want to extricate yourself from that. You might want to look into, is this a healthy environment for me to thrive in? Is this a relationship that is going to build me, make me, and help me to thrive? And if you're in part of a, some sort of social group and bullying is a part of it, it's time to extricate yourself and move away from it. Do you really need to be a part of them? You really think that identifying with those group of people is part of it? Perhaps not, right? Interesting, isn't it? So for more information about what we do, do me a favor, go to my website, harrietkamak.com. And if you're listening to this podcast, I thank you sincerely for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel. Have you? Have you really subscribed to our podcast channel, right? Subscribe to our channel. You either download the app, Spotify, if you're on uh, iPhones, it's obviously Apple Podcast, right? It's just that little purple thing with the sound waves going off it, right? And if you're in the Google, if you're you have an Android device, then of course you download from the Google Play Store Google Podcasts. It has some little lines running, so it's kind of cool looking. You do that as well as other podcast platforms. There's Overcast, there's Pocket Cast, there's Breaker, whatever platform you're listening to me to. I thank you so very much for participating in our discussion. And if you're ever in the Michigan area, I travel to speak, so invite me to your next event. You can go to harrietkamek.com to find out more information about me and the subjects that I speak on. Of course, you can find me on Google. It's always an easy landing page because Google will tell you what I do. They'll tell you who I am, what I do, and they'll tell you where my books are. And of course, go to amazon.com and buy some of my books. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. It has been my pleasure to be here. And stay tuned. We'll have more information on bullying as the weeks and, and days and weeks come back. We're going to talk to people who have been bullied, and they're going to share their experience with us on what it takes, what it felt like to walk around in their own skin, and what it looks like, oh, kind of icky and stuff like that. I thank you so much for listening. I got to go. It's time to go, right? It's time to go. Thank you so much for listening. And make sure you come back and listen to us on Down to Earth. This is Harriet Kimmick. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed.